0: Hello and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb.
1: And I'm Christina. Together, we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside
0: and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook.
1: And leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you Jen Bruce. I met Jen um, on my journeys through being true to you. Uh, I, She was teaching a class on nutrition and gut health. And she was basically the resident kind of expert on Ibogaine, which was a treatment that I was soon to be going through. And so I reached out for my second, for my second experience through Jen. I got my nutrition in order. Um, She helped me through the experience, helped me integrate afterwards. And then I took on an even greater nutrition course through her. Um, my wife was so impressed with the the work that we did just through the first treatment that she joined me on the diet, like right at the last minute, she goes, Okay, well, I'll join this through you too. <laughs> and it's helped both of us tremendously. It's it's changed a lot of our lives. It's made everything and even the stressful situation that we've been going through lately so much easier to deal with, just being so centered. And we have a lot of where we're at now. Um, We have the pleasure of thanking Jen for for how far we've got and and how stable we are. So um, with that introduction, um, Jen, would you like to tell our audience a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, hi, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad um, to hear that you're feeling so much better. And I think it's just a testament to what's possible for every single person because our human bodies are the same. Um, I am a functional medicine practitioner, and for those of you who are not familiar with functional medicine, it's a biology-based, scientifically-backed approach to health and wellness, much of its prevention, but also in that system of medicine, we look at the whole person, body, mind, and spirit, and we have a different relationship with symptoms than the allopathic or Western model may have, uh, in the sense that we look at those as information and the way that the body speaks and tells us what it needs. And rather than suppressing symptoms, we go in and we heal the um, biological roots throughout the different systems in the body. And so within that group um, of, or within that modality of healing practices, my, my area of expertise is mental health. Uh, trauma recovery, and addiction recovery. And what motivated me to go into this line of work is that I'm in long-term recovery from alcohol use disorder. I come from a long line of family where alcoholism was present, uh, depression, anxiety, and ultimately unhealed PTSD. I also come from a long line of veterans. And I got sober almost 13 years ago. I did all the things that we do um, but I noticed that um, a lot of my friends and my peers in the recovery world ha- were raised in sober homes, and the the approaches that were available to me didn't seem to be preventing um, a lot of this stuff transpiring in children. And it was my it was my mission once I became a mother to do everything I could in my power to prevent my daughter from falling into what I thought at the time were genetically um, ingrained issues in my family that really couldn't be avoided but through um so much of my my self-healing my education my experiences i've come to find out that um it's not the genetics it's the environment and the environment starts at the cellular level with the food that we eat um and so my focus within functional medicine is nutrition and lifestyle medicine and i really do have my nine-year-old little girl to thank um for my my journey through healing um, myself, educating myself, and now helping others do the same—that
1: is so wonderful and so good that you have someone to encourage you. Your little one to help keep you going and learning more and more all the time. Yeah.
0: So we are—we um, are—we're going to be helping a lot of parents who are going to be pulling their children out of school. Um, so as pulling their children out of school, they're going to be very um, used to the Western diet and used to the way of eating that the schools teach, provide those, those kind of standards. Um, what would be a great starting place, a starting point for parents who are starting to bring their kid out of school, out of that, to start giving them proper nutrition? Where's, where's a great place to start so that it's not like totally to disruptive <laughs> as well as everything else? It's like, oh, you're totally changing everything. Where's a good place for the for the parents to start with?
2: Um, it's such a beautiful place to start. And that was the reason I pulled my daughter out of public school after first grade um, and seeing the immense dysregulation that she was experiencing. And then I discovered how they were feeding the kids at school, which was in just opposition to everything I was doing at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to speak to the principal about very basic things that are within the FDA guidelines, actually, as um, specifically how much sugar the kids were being fed. I found out that just at snack time after uh, her aftercare, that the snacks contained over 50 grams of sugar. And um, I went to the principal to speak to them on that. And they said, well, we're following the FDA guidelines here. And I said, well, actually you're not because it's the World Health Organization has deemed that um, 25 grams of sugar per day is what an adult grown woman should be consuming and no more and that health conditions arise after that amount. And um, you know I realized that it was going to be such an uphill battle to to change the system so we decided to take her out and she's in a hybridized homeschool in school um, program now at a Waldorf school where we live. Um, but the reason I selected that school, wasn't because of the Waldorf education, but it's because they had a wellness policy in place, which they stick to. And that changed everything. And so the first thing about changing our children's nutrition is becoming aware of its importance, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: becoming aware of its importance. And the connection that's most powerful with young children to recognize the importance of nutrition is their emotional state Mm -hmm. and their ability to focus and learn. And nutrition is foundational for that. So, so it's not only what the children are eating, but when they're eating. And Mm -hmm. so what I found in public school was that, um, you know, kids can be picky eaters and this and that, but they had kind of lunch and recess and all these things combined. And there just simply isn't enough staff to enforce that the children eat their food when it's time to eat. They were kind of let go. And if they wanted to eat, they could. And if they didn't want to eat, they just go off to recess. You know, I found that Um, my daughter's lunch was coming home still full. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I found out at her particular school that in the cafeteria, they had free range to take as many chocolate milks as they wanted to um, at each break. And I went into the school and had a $95 tab. And I was like, what is this? And, um, you know, chocolate milk has as much sugar in it as a soda. Yes, it does. yeah. And the yogurts that are being served have as much sugar as a soda. The granola bars are full sugar. They're candy bars with oats in them and have sometimes even more sugar than, than um, a candy bar would have. And then I also found, and this is very normal, but they were giving rewards in the classroom for behavior with candy starting at 930 in the morning, which is actually promoting disordered eating. Um, you know, I was the only one that found this to be a problem. But what first alarmed me was her um, lunches were coming home full. Uh And she was in an emotional meltdown at the end of almost every school day. And at first I just thought it was her adjusting to being in public school. But what I came to realize later, and this is the connection between proper nutrition and emotional regulation, is that keeping the child's blood sugar balanced, and this goes for everybody, um, Uh is vitally important for cognition, for executive function, and for staying in our prefrontal cortex aspect of our section of our brain, where our decision making skills lie, our emotional regulation, our ability to learn. new things. And in order for that to be in place and be activated, the brain needs enough energy in order to function. And the brain requires a tremendous amount of energy pound for pound. It's the most in the body. And unless we're on a ketosis diet, which would not be recommended for most children, unless there's a severe health issue at hand, um, the brain uses glucose, which is blood sugar for fuel. So when we're on a high carbohydrate, high sugar diet, You know, if we're starting our kids off in the morning with a yogurt that's supposed to be healthy, but has in fact as much sugar in it as a soda, if we're having sugary cereal, all of these things give really quick bursts of energy, but what goes up must come down and our body is designed to stay in homeostasis. So if there's too much sugar, which also leads to insulin resistance over time, and it's the reason that the number one cause of disease in the United States is diabetes or it's obesity related, it's blood sugar dysregulation and insulin resistance, but it also plays into um, our ability to focus because when we get these big bursts of sugar-based energy, the body's going to overclear the sugar from the body and the blood sugar will drop too low. It's like lighting alcohol. It's just gonna go really fast and then go out. It's quick burning fuel. And so when our blood sugar drops too low and this happens in our kids, the livers, one of the livers many jobs is to store sugar called glycogen And when signaled that the blood sugar has dropped too low Uh becomes an emergency state in the body because the brain registers as I'm not going to survive because I don't have fuel that, um, in order to release the sugar that's stored in the, in the liver, Mm -hmm. uh, adrenaline is released. Adrenaline is released. So that creates anxiousness that creates anger you know, you can think of fight or flight. If, if something is threatening that, that, that adrenaline is going to create that feeling in the body. And then when our brain doesn't have the energy that it needs to, it's stimulated by adrenaline, which essentially puts us into fight or flight. Uh, we go back into our limbic brain, not our prefrontal cortex. And that's where our survival mechanisms and our emotions take hold. And so this will look like in a child, it may look like ADD, ADHD. Uh-huh. It may look like emotional dysregulation, it may look like tantrums, it may look like goofing off in class, it may look like, you know, crying and not being able to handle anything. And then what happens is these children are diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and they're put on medication, which is one molecule off of methamphetamines. And we wonder why we have such a drug problem in our country. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so wow. is- you, just,
0: you just gave us such an incredible amount of information. Absolutely amazing. Um, and I came up with so many questions that they all just washed each other away but all I could me, think about was over the years of you teaching yes. and me coming in at the different classes yeah. the the goldfish snacks the little crackers mm-hmm. the the kids would start to crash you give them some crackers heard, yeah. and so yeah exactly. it, it it wasn't that we were
1: as a teacher of 27 years I was doing my best to try to keep those kids mm-hmm. regulated but again, I didn't have the information I have now about what was a really good thing and I couldn't control what they were given. So I encouraged healthy snacks like cheese and crackers or something more healthy or, or apples, at least what we thought, was healthy, or what we thought was healthy at the time. But wow, that is just amazing because now I can also go back in my memories and look at the kids in my classroom and those different reactions and those different activities and things that. I was wondering why this kiddo was acting like this or why this kiddo was at this certain time of day, like basically getting dysregulated and kind of like going off. And that makes so much more sense now. And I wish I would have had that information to help me be a little bit more educated back then.
0: Yeah. And this would be great information for parents to have now, just, just any any kind of parent, just so they can watch, how their child reacts to different food
1: which is why we brought you on our podcast so, yeah, yes this, thank you
0: this, is, this has been amazing so yeah, far so
1: far wow so yeah. if a parent were to start implementing this at home like Kirk kind of said what would be some baby steps some little steps beside after the recognition
2: yeah and so and then there's you're not going to get a kid to go on like a low carbohydrate sugar-free diet. And in fact, we don't want to, (laughs) their brains are growing rapidly. They are, are, their energy requirements are radical. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they need the carbohydrates. There's a reason kids like carbs also, you know, like, uh, Ayurvedic very ancient healing modality from India notices that children need the, the qualities of sweet food. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the palate changes in children, I think around 12 or 13 years old, but prior to that, they really dislike bitter foods because in nature, where we genetically have not evolved out of when we were living in our hunter gatherer society is that the foods that would have been poisonous would have been bitter. So it's a protective mechanism as well. So we can't change a child's palate they need the carbohydrates, their diet of a child is gonna be much different than that of of an adult, but what's been happening is that big food and really the tobacco companies came in to manipulate the, the foods that we buy in the grocery store starting in the 1980s to be addictive and the children are getting targeted more than anybody else. And so they know this about kids. So it's not the carbohydrates, it's the quality of the carbohydrates. Um, and then we also want to always bring in protein and healthy fat so that, that, that the carbohydrates drip slow. So with the alcohol metaphor of lighting the alcohol, big bang, and then it's out. If we take c- uh, complex carbohydrates, high quality proteins and healthy fats and, and combine them together, that's going to create a really slow drip fuel into the system all day long. That's steady, like an oil burning lamp that will burn for 18 hours. Right. So that's the difference now. Right. Am I gonna tell my kid all this? No way. No. <laughs> Does she love her waffles? Yes. Do I use the frozen waffles or flour mix? No, I, I use an almond flour. We there's eggs in it. There's um, you know, I blend up oats in their whole form. And so we're getting a whole grain with the with still intact because there's a tremendous amount of fiber in there. What we want to stay away from are white processed sugars and also flowers because white flowers work in the bloodstream the same way that sugar does and in fact wow. two slices of whole wheat commercial bread that have been dyed brown usually have a higher glycemic index which means there's a higher burden of sugar on the on the system than a candy bar so oh my gosh. um So, you know, and then a lot of healthy fats that is like organic ghee, which is like clarified butter. And then we get the fruits in there, not with a fruit roll up or jelly, but with fresh fruits. And then we use organic maple syrup because organic maple syrup is packed full of nutrients, same with raw honey. So we're just taking the kid food and upgrading it. So it's actually got in there what the kids need, right? Yeah. Um, And there's always an alternative if they have a favorite kid food. Mm-hmm. there's always a better alternative and then i've educated my daughter you know from day one and it's never too late to start but she's you know i'm i'm, I'm humbly proud uh-huh. she's never had a fast food meal in her life and when we drive by mcdonald's she asked that why would people poison themselves when there's a sign on the door that says this food is known to cause cancer in the state of california she can't wrap her mind around the fact wow. that people Best will sign. Read that sign and walk into the into the restaurant and still consume these foods. So we have to have a lot of conversation around how we make choices for ourselves too. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know those
1: signs existed. First of all, but wow. It's yeah. been
0: quite a, quite a while since yeah. we've had to e-
1: eat fast food, fast food. Exactly. But I love how you're having those conversations because that's one of the things that we really want to make sure we're doing in our holistic schooling and our education brought home is to make sure that we have those conversations with children so they understand why things are happening and they can make those informed choices of course at an age-appropriate level you know
2: Mm -hmm. exactly
1: perfect um so when you're like in the grocery store how in-depth do you go with when you're picking things for her Uh, you said nine right
2: yes yeah so we shop around the outsides of the store Mm -hmm. and she's got her favorite fruits. And sometimes something like a dragon fruit will come in or something like that. And they may be a little expensive, but that's our delicious treat. Uh um, What can we make out of these vegetables and fruits? You know, if the apples are in season, let's go home and make an apple pie. You know, one thing to get your kids to eat differently, if they make the food themselves, they will eat it and they will love it.
1: Love it because that's also part of our education is helping the kids learn how to cook, helping the kids learn how to clean, helping the kids be part of the family governing system so that it works together. Yeah, and,
2: and one some of the
0: people, things about your well, one of the things about your program is is you actually, along with um, being a functional medicine, are a wonderful cook, and you gave us a, a recipe book when we went through the program and the that recipes are actually are really good we're we're it's really easy to to stick to an eating plan when you get to eat enjoyable foods yeah. so
1: and you're talking to someone who used to like like three vegetables i would eat cucumbers and i would eat lettuce and i would eat green beans once in a while and like everything else was like yeah no thank you <laughs> and now i'm eating brussels sprouts and asparagus and cabbage and all sorts of other things
2: yeah yeah a lot of it's in the preparation we just have to learn how to cook again yes
0: and once you take a lot of the processed food out then real food starts tasting a lot different
2: yeah and i would say too as far as like you know entrepreneurs and being busy and bringing our kids home and you know where the heck are we going to find all of this time but it's when we're looking at it through the lens of we need to play with our children we need to teach our children we need to spend quality time with our children and we need to go to the grocery store and I need to cook and I need to do this. But a good example of what I do with my daughter every Saturday, knowing that I'm going to be tired after a long week of work and she will be too, is we sleep in. And then we go to the farmer's market. We get to spend quality time together. I get my shopping done. I get to educate her and, gosh, when she gets to meet the farmers that grew our food, it's like a whole different thing. And and we get community and we get outside and we get exercise and then we go home and we make a meal, but that's just deep quality time together where I'm teaching her a skill that will help her for the rest of her life. And so it's one stone and all of those birds are are shot down with just the one thing is we, we go shopping and we go home and we make a meal, but it's so much more than that. And
0: part of entrepreneurship is there's a lot of traveling involved. And one of the reasons we're making everything mobile is so that parents could take their children with them. So maybe like learning, it. learning how to find the farmer's markets in the different places and the different farm stores Getting in the involved. area yeah. would be a great way to do it. But um, mm-hmm. also traveling. Um, how, what what are some better ways to, to find ways to eat when you're traveling, because Because sometimes the really healthy preparation is a little more difficult when you're on the road.
2: Yeah, and I think that this applies to just being busy and running around, like myself. I kind of have three businesses and my daughter and all of the stuff. And you know, it's like I plan ahead. You know, like I'll buy stuff for the week, and then I always have a um, a bag in my car with me with healthy snacks because it can even be around town. If I get on the wrong side of town, there's not a lot of healthy places to go. Um, you know, one thing that we do when we travel as a family is we get Airbnbs that have a kitchen, and we'll go out for some meals. But then we also go to the local Whole Foods or health food store and stock up on healthy things. You know, easy breakfasts, lunches, and then maybe we'll go out for dinner. Um, we you know, a good way to look up a, a healthy restaurant um, where you're at in a new place is if it says it's farm to table. Oh, wow. It's not going to say we're healthy and organic. That's the new gourmet is farm to table, but that's going to mean that it's going to have an excellent menu. Of a variety of different uh locally sourced foods. Um, you know, or something that's like a juice bar is gonna have healthier options. You know, I could go to a Starbucks or I can find a coffee shop that's also a juice bar. It's gonna be much more likely I'm gonna be able to get something healthier, at a juice bar than at a Starbucks. Um, and then the way that I get my daughter interested when traveling, and I've just in general gotten her interested in in different foods rather than being like afraid of them. And she was a very picky eater, is explaining to her that the the most um, the deepest way we can learn and experience other people's cultures is through the food that they make. Oh yeah. And then it's fun to try different things. And Mm -hmm. if we, if we try it and we don't like it, then we know that, but if we don't try it and it would have been our favorite thing ever, and we never tried it, we'll miss out on something that we could be loving for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when I put it through like storytelling and cultural exploration and learning about other cultures, um, she became very interested and now she willingly tries almost anything at least once.
1: That is a great idea. That's a great idea. So many people need that one in their back pocket because exactly. We've been learning a lot about storytelling and how it does put more context around an idea or more importance around an idea. And I love that with kids. Yes. Perfect. Um, If there was a family... I don't know, with like special medical needs, what kinds of things, because you being from the background, what kinds of things should they watch out for when they're making these changes? Because that's another thing we don't want to accidentally cause is making a bunch of changes and then having an issue because of that. So what's some things to watch out for?
2: Yeah, well, the biggest thing is being strict or scared around food. Mm -hmm. um you know the the biggest issue people have with food is what they've connected it to Um, we also don't want to use foods as rewards like you know oh you were really well behaved today so now you can have something that's bad for you i mean i think we can see how that can set up for disastrous uh, long-term results you know so so education um you know not being too strict like and Some people may argue with me and it depends. Like if we've got a children with a severe autism or pandas or something, we may need to put them on a strict functional medicine protocol, Um, you know, with some food for a while. But in general, like the 80-20 rule, like I choose not to have my kid be the weird one at the birthday party that's not allowed to have a cupcake. Like go ahead and have one. But then I also have her notice when she's cranky that evening after she comes down, it's like, look at what that did to your body. And how much agency we have over how we feel, depending on what we do or don't put into it. And then I let her choose. Do you want to have that right now? And sometimes she'll say yes. And she's like, you know what? Actually, I'm feeling really good and I don't want to mess it up. And this has taken some time to get to that point. But I think not having any kind of rules or strictness around food, it's just education and improving our relationship with food. That, yes.
0: Yeah, I, I have some friends that they're not super strict around candy. They just don't have it in their house. But at Halloween, they let their kids eat as much of it as they possibly can for like two or three days. And then they like, see, this is why you just don't have candy, because then they're just like completely zombied, wiped out, feeling terrible. And like, this is what it does. Yeah. They and kind of.
2: A- yeah. And it's an incredible teaching experience, too, because that reigns true for almost everything in our life, you know, or when we're not feeling good, it's so typical in our culture to look outside of ourselves and say, oh, I don't feel good because you were mean to me or because it's raining outside or because I didn't get what I want. But when I can continuously display to my daughter that it seems that way when you're not feeling good. But if we back it up and really look at what happened, you binged on candy for two days. And that's why life seems to be against you right now. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, you're right. When I don't eat sugar, I don't feel this way. (laughs) And that can translate into all areas of life. You know, like I want her you know, and and it's, and through that, because pretty soon she won't be with me. Most of the time she'll be with her friends and for her to be able to make the best decisions for herself, regardless of if everybody else around her is doing it or not, you know, exactly.
1: And I love how you were just saying that track it back a few days, because a lot of people think that those kind of reactions or those kinds of effects happen immediately, but actually what you've been training us as well is that you can have eaten something two or three days ago and it takes that long for your body to kind of react or have it, an issue with it.
0: Yeah. And if you can take that back to, Oh, it's something I eat to this is why I'm feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah. Then it can totally change how, how you go forward instead of, Oh, I'm feeling this way. I need to eat this. Mm-hmm. Well now it's like, Oh, I ate that. I'm feeling this way. So I should watch what I'm doing it, it totally changes the the yeah. discussion with yourself if you can mm-hmm. if you can truly get a hold of that
2: yeah yeah and, and the bigger picture here is teaching my daughter that we are have way more power and, and influence over our lives than we've been taught in our society and that you know nine, you know we have so much agency in all situations so these are practical exercises that can be applied to everything in life yeah and and also collectively too it's not just what we've eaten the last couple of days but if you've been on the average american diet and the kid food is just horrendous if you turn over the label and it destroys the gut health and so then kids become chronically ill with asthma or eczema and then they're giving them all of these like medications and and stuff, and it really just comes back to that their gut's not in tune and it's the sugar that's causing the problem. And so then the kids are on like six medications by the time they're in high school, and um you know, it goes on chronically unwell. And then these kids grow up like myself in the 80s, like growing up, and I realized once I got healthy that I had really been chronically ill my entire life. Uh-huh. My entire life. Yeah. I didn't know what it felt like to feel good. I had no idea. Right? So
0: the so parents pulling their kids out of school. Not only is it better for them educationally, it's it's better for them for just their overall health, just getting them away from that diet. And even making small changes at home would would make would, radical yeah. differences over, oh, yeah. the, over the education over the school diet right
2: just and just making sure that they eat, even if you don't change the food, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, every couple hours with a little one to keep their blood sugar stable. And it doesn't have to be radical, Like, you know, maybe the kids love Top Ramen. Well, you can get rice noodle, organic Top Ramen. You can make it with bone broth, um, not have the additives, MSG. The kids will love it. And and then it seems like the same food, but like Top Ramen is one of the most toxic foods you can buy. I mean, it is toxic and MSG is a neurotoxin. So if you're concerned with your child's education, you might want to not be putting in neurotoxins with their favorite foods, you know, um, that led my daughter to loving to go out for pho, which is in traditional Vietnamese soup. And that's so rich with bone broth and vegetables and, and it's so good for you. So you can take the kid food that they like and transition over. And one of the biggest ways to do that is to also, when you start using upgraded products or foods to replace the ones that they've been liking is to have them help you make it because then there's a pride of ownership that's involved and they will eat it if they've made it.
1: Yeah, like yeah,
0: I said. A lot of right. kids now... A lot more kids now being diagnosed with with mental disorders, um, autism. So when I was a kid, it was it was very rare. I I knew hardly anybody, and now it's like one of my sons is autistic, and it's it's mm-hmm. getting even more prevalent. And some of the stuff that I'm understanding is is it might not necessarily be fully autistic. It could very well be associated with diet and cleaning mm-hmm. up the diet. Is, is resolving a lot of these issues. Do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think all of us could agree that we don't really know about autism yet, but anything that's on the rise, and these are spectrum disorders, ADD, uh, mm-hmm. ADHD, depression, anxiety in teens, like, come on. Um, the, the fact that they're exponentially increasing, it hasn't been a long enough time for the genes to change. So it's environmental and the, you know, out of the tens of thousands of chemicals that are circulating in our environment, all of them are assumed to be safe until proven unsafe. And most of them, you need funding for this. And most of them are not even being tested, right? The foods that we're eating are nutrient deficient, even if we're buying produce because the soil that it's been grown in is completely depleted and our brain is just another organ in our body. And in order for our nervous system to work properly, it has a high demand of micronutrients, B vitamins, um, you know, healthy fats, you know, omega-3, omega-6 ratio balanced. Um, You know, we have to have, uh, we've lost the fermented foods in our diet, which keeps our microbiome healthy. 95% of our serotonin is produced in our gut. And the autism spectrum goes along the dopamine system that is, you know, so we don't know everything yet, but what we do know is it's environmental, it's lifestyle, it's nutrient deficiencies, it's all of these things because that's the only thing that's changed. Where our health is changing as rapidly as our environment and our food sourcing right. has changed, end of story. Yeah. And I don't need to know the details because I know that anytime we, we improve in this area that things get better. Yeah. You know, That's amazing.
0: that makes complete sense. Yeah.
2: And I
1: loved how you were saying that it's easy to kind of switch out some of their favorites for things that are on the healthier side. Like you said, upgrade the, upgrade the ingredients and then they can still have the same things like the waffles, the pancakes, the ramen, et cetera. Yeah. yeah and if
0: they're pulling them out of the school and they're really focused on their family, mm-hmm. this this should really just be a logical next step yeah. for whatever
1: they're doing.
2: But it doesn't have to be radical changes. It can be little steps at a time, right? Absolutely. And just the awareness first too. I mean, think about how many kids are getting punished at home and at school for behavioral problems when it's their behavior that's dropped and they lose the control of their behavior in that state. Like once we understand this stuff, we can work with it in a way that's not only compassionate, but it's also constructive. Punishing somebody out of a dysregulated nervous system because of malnutrition is not productive. Exactly. Yeah.
1: As a teacher, I would, you know, I really appreciated all those parents who supported me by not necessarily punishing me, but at least talking to their kids about their behavior when they were, you know, not being in class. But if I would have been able to give those parents that tip and say, hey, could you just check into what they're eating? And maybe that will help the situation as well.
2: That would have been super helpful and with so, motivated, parents, and motivated that, parents that'll just be yeah. tremendously
0: easier
1: yep, exactly
2: and that's not to dismiss the that's not to dismiss the behavioral aspect that's still there right. yes. yes um it's still there but you know when we're grounded and we're stabilized it's amazing the things that will naturally clear up on their own
1: exactly yeah wonderful Well, Jen, it has been such an awesome talk with you today and you've given us so much information. Is there anything else that you really wanted to impart to maybe parents or people who are listening today? And I hope that you'll agree to come back and we'll have another conversation around a similar topic in the future.
2: Yeah, I guess I would just say, if you're considering making these moves, um, you know, we've been living our lifestyle like this for a while out here in Northern California and listen to your intuition the world is going to be continuously getting worse, not better. Um, the systems that we have in place, all the way down to the food that we're eating, is not working, and that's why everybody is struggling. And you know, the only regret I have for not choosing to fit out of this sick and toxic culture faster, that, you know, that that's the only regret I have is not taking action sooner um, mm-hmm. and to listen to your intuition. And you know, that needs to always be our guiding light. You know, um, who even knows where the system's going to be by the time our children are in the workforce? I'm not even relying on if my daughter went through regular school with accolades, if that's really going to serve her. Um, mm-hmm. As Um We kind of watch the world cr- crumbling around. So, yeah, I mean, the only regret I have of taking my daughter out of the system earlier uh, mm-hmm. is, is not doing it earlier. That's all oh. I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: As parents, we're, it's often... You know, thought that maybe the school or the teacher knows better, but parents know their kids best. And you know, their sleeping patterns, you know, their eating patterns, you know, their emotions better. And so bringing that together with their education should be a complete win win.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was a teacher for 27 years and we saw it happening from the inside out. And we had kids in the school and we were wondering why other teachers weren't stepping up at the same time for our kids. So, yeah, even, as, even from within the system as a teacher, we wish we had have taken our kids out and gotten sooner. out sooner.
1: But that's why we're doing what we're doing now is bringing on experts
0: to be- help. Better late than never. Yeah. Or be- maybe it's maybe it's right on time for us.
2: Yeah, uh, and thank you for your service. I come from a long line of teachers too. My grandmother had a doctorate in special education. Mm-hmm. She helped develop the curriculum for children with learning debil- disabilities in the United States. My mother was an art teacher in the public schools. Wow. On the flip side, The teachers are so worn out so underpaid so undernourished that even the teachers that want to make the change there isn't the time in the day. Plus you're getting enmeshed with other families that don't have these as priorities, and so you can't implement these things unless you have full support from the parents. Right. Exactly. And a lot of people aren't at their, that stage of their development in our society right now. So it's it's not going to change anytime soon. And there isn't one school that's going to be much different than the other. The funding, the mentality of our culture in today's right. world, it's just not there yet. Yep, exactly. Well, we will
0: make sure to put your contact information down below. But mm-hmm. if people would like to get a hold of you, we'll let you say how, how what's the best way to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the easiest way is um, go to www.therecoveryreset.com, which is the website for my group online program for adults. But there's also a calendar to schedule a free discovery call with me there. I do a lot of other work besides the the reset. Um, So whichever item you want to talk to me about, that would be the easiest way to access my scheduling calendar.
0: Like we lost her.
1: Yeah.